morning. Can I just say, look at these shoes. Do you see these? Even if you didn't feel like worshipping, you've got it now because she'll take you out afterwards. It's a good roundhouse kick to the face. That'll sort you out really good. How is everyone this morning? Are you good? I tell you what, it's so good and exciting to be with you all this morning. I, uh, I've watched you from afar for a time. I've known Josh for quite some time now, and uh, we've been able to chat a lot. Um, I'm from Adelaide, and uh, you know we, we talk a lot about youth and, and your church, and he says all good things, so that is good. And I, I, uh, I just want to just encourage you all as a church this morning. I love your name, One Heart. What a cool name, hey? And I just really feel that you guys are on the cusp of something really great, and um, Last night I was, I was praying about you all and I was just praying about what God you know, wants to say to you all this morning and um, I really felt um, John 17 on my heart. You know when Jesus is, 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 is doing the high priestly prayer and he's praying, he's just about to leave his ministry here in, uh, on earth and he's just about to go through the, the, the toughest time ever and uh, he decides to pray for everyone. That's a lesson in itself. When you're going through tough times, do you pray for anyone? I don't think I do. But, uh, and he's praying for everyone, and he, you know, he's praying for his disciples. But then he gets to this, this point in, uh, in, in John 17, and he, he says, and for all those who hear the word and believe it, and he starts praying for you and I. And he says, may they all be of one heart, of the, you know, the heart that is, that is in you and, and, and in me, and may they remain in that so that the world might believe in me. Do you know, I find that so interesting that it doesn't, he doesn't say, may they all do sweet miracles. Or may they all do this really well. He says, no, no, no. May in their unity, may in their sticking together, the world see me. Can I just encourage you all, fight for that unity? Because it is so, so easy to, to bicker and squabble and to find any reason to want to take your brother or sister out. But we need to stick together. Is that cool? That's great. All right. Well, I'm going to pray and then we're going to crack on into it. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for your glorious word, Lord. And I am just so honored and grateful to be here. And I just pray, God, that you just uh, speak through me, God. And I pray that uh, my words won't be my own, Lord God, but they'll be yours and for your glory. Bless this church richly, Lord God. May our hearts be open to hear from you, God. And I pray that we will leave this place not the same. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So like I said, my name is Luke Rasmussen. Come on, Rob. I gave you the, the training beforehand, Pastor Rob. No. So my name is Luke Rasmussen, and um, I'm from Adelaide. I'm, I'm the youth pastor at a church called Hope Church. Uh, we're, in, we're in the city, right smack bang in the city, and uh, we have a great congregation there, and I get to look after youth. We've got a great youth ministry, and uh, a part of that, I get to go into schools a lot, and um, I actually work for an organization where we go into schools and we talk about we talk sex ed which is always so much fun with teenagers. It's really good. And I, I found it really interesting that Pastor Kylie was like to, oh, the beard-looking guy. Because at the end of every one of our, you know, talks that we have, we, we give out feedback forms to everyone. And um, we say on there, oh, don't write your name. Write the presenter's name, you know, just so we know that we're doing well. And the amount of times that I've got Beardo, <laughs> Justin Westoff, you know, the football player. <laughs> Just because he's just because he's got a beard and I've got a beard, you know, it just it just clicks. Do I? 
Uh, I'll take that. That's good. He's a good-looking bloke, so that's fine. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do get beardo, weirdo, top-knot guy all the time, and I'm okay with that. You can call me whatever you like. If you struggle with my last name, just call me Luke. Yeah. Or handsome beard guy. That, that'll go down well. <laughs> Today, you know, I really have uh, been praying for you, and I really have something on my heart that I just think is, is, is right now for you all. You know, you're, you're coming through a time of where you're talking about growth, and you're, you're, you're hoping and believing for growth, whether that's growth in the church or whether that's growth in your own lives. And I know when, it, when, you, when you're growing and you're, you're learning about God, we have these expectations in our lives, you know, expectation of being used by God and expectation of you know, God wanting to use our lives. You know, who's ever, ever at, at some point in their life crying out to God, say, God, use me? Is, we've all been there before. And I think if we, we don't actually look or don't actually know how God might use us or, you, you know, grab our attention, we, can, we, might, we might miss it. So I, I really want to just talk to you all about it today. Aren't expectations funny? Like... I think most fights that happen between married couples or... I've been married for seven years, so, you know, I'm a pro at marriage. So if you have any questions afterwards, come and ask me. I'll be able to sort it out for you. But don't you think that when it, when it comes to marriage or even any relationship, whether it's in your family, it's expectations that cause a lot of grief? You know, I remember one time with, uh, when I was with my younger brother. You know, I had this expectation of my younger brother that he was going to look out for me. And we were playing cricket in the front yard, right? And uh, he was batting, and I was bowling some beautiful line-and-length bowls, and he hits the ball, and it goes up in a tree. And we had this huge tree in our front yard, and there was, like, thorns coming out of it, all these spikes coming out of it and everything like that. And, and uh, he's like, well, you've got to go get it. I'm like, you hit it into the tree. He's like, you've got to go get it. So love, like the loving, serving, you know, older brother that I am, I decide I'm going to go get it out of this tree. So we had two milk crates as our wicket, and I'm standing up there, on these milk crates, reaching into this tree. You see where this is going, right? So my incredible younger brother, just such a great man of God that he is, he decides that would be a great idea, as I'm reaching up into this thorny tree, to dack me (laughs) and to kick the milk crates from underneath me. So I'm hanging from this tree by the thorns that are in my arms as (laughs) perfectly as, as my good mates who are coming to play cricket turn up on their push bikes as there I am, before all the world to see, with my pants pulled down for everyone. That was rough. That, I tell you what, that changed my expectations of my brother, right? There and then. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. So I want, I want to talk to you about expectations, and in particular, I want to talk to you uh, around how God uses us through the life of Moses. Who here knows about the story of Moses? If you've, if you've spent any time, in, whether it's in kids' church or in church, you should know about the life of Moses. He was this great man that we see these stories of, you know, him taking the Israelites into the promised land. We see him, uh, you know, his, God uses him for incredible miracles. You know, a lot of the Old Testament was written by him. And we see this, this, uh, this great man. But I want to take you right back to the start of the start of his life. See, Moses would have had dreams and expectations for his life. He comes into the story of history in a really, really, really dark time. See, Israel had been in Egypt for quite some time, right? 
and there was a new king in town. And uh, this king was really intimidated, intimidated by the Israelites. He, he really disliked them. So what he wanted to do was he started to um, you know, put them into slavery. But the problem was the Israelites, man, they were blessed by God. They just kept on thriving. And uh, the more they thrived, the more they got intimidated. And uh, so what he decided to do is he decided to go after their young. And in particular, their young males. This is in Exodus 3 that this all starts to happen. Exodus 1, 2, and 3. And uh, so, you know, what I love about the Bible is the Bible talks to our culture today. It is so relevant for us today. You know, I see that we, we too have an enemy. And that enemy likes to go after the young. And it likes to go after the young males in particular. You know, we live in a culture where there is nothing that is true. All our morals are being questioned than ever before. Have you noticed this? Everything that used to just be the norm, more than ever now, is being questioned. There is no solid ground for anyone to stand on before, like at all anymore. And I really believe that now more than ever that the church needs to be that lighthouse, needs to be that place where the truth of God is spoken. You know, in John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come... This is Jesus talking to give you life and life abundantly. You know, that is the truth of God. Can I encourage you, parents, in this place? Teach your children the truth. They need something that they can stand on. If they don't have a worldview, they will fall for anything. You know, there's that old saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That is so true. That is so true. I remember when I was a kid, we used to go down to the beach a lot, and we used to go down to a surf beach, and the, the water was so strong, and the sand was, you know, it, was, it moves around so much. And I remember when the rip would get you, you would just get pulled out so easily. And we have a generation of people who are on the edge of being pulled out to something like that. It's so important that we as the church have the answer, that bring the truth. And that truth, my friends, is in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Good. I'm glad. We need a saviour. Just like Moses was a saviour to the Israelites, we need a saviour and we have that in Jesus Christ. He's the perfect Moses. He didn't make any mistakes. So Moses came into this time, this really hectic time where there was pretty much, you know, young people were getting wiped out, they were killing them all. And he was, uh, his, we all know the story of his mum hit him in the reeds and then he gets raised, uh, he gets taken by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Pharaoh's court. He, he spends 40 years being trained and raised to be a prince of Egypt. So he would have had great expectations for his life. You know, there are actually some historians believe that he would have been in line to possibly be Pharaoh. He would have, he would have dreamt that one day he was going to be able to bring change. But then something happens one fateful, fateful day, and it's Exodus 2, Verse 11, if you want to follow along at home. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He, he looked this way and that, and seeing, that, seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, 
Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he sought to kill Moses, and Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, where he sat down by a well. You know, Moses had all these dreams, and he had all these desires. He had all these plans with his own life. And then that one thing happens, one mistake. He killed a guy. Throw out that whole idea of, like, children's church, Moses, for a second here. Like, he killed a guy. He didn't... It, it didn't say he killed him by accident. He killed the guy on purpose. All of a sudden, all his dreams, all those plans he had, they had just been thrown. Have you ever been in that position before where you've made a mistake or whether you've done something on purpose and you thought, I'm done here. This is the, this is the, this is the end of what God could ever do in my life. I make too many mistakes. Look what he did. He ruined it all. How was God ever going to be able to use him now? I mean, he killed a guy. You know, I think we really can relate to this story so well because, you know, when life is going so well for us, so perfectly well, you know, we make one mistake and we feel like it's all game over. We feel like it's over. But I'm here to tell you this, this morning, that's not true. It ain't over. And that's what leads me to this first point is that God uses sinners. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly right. God uses you and me. He uses sinners. That, that means he uses you, and that means he definitely uses me. I love that. Write that on your forehead so you remind yourself of that every day. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he likes to take the truth out of our lives. And that truth is that God has paved a way so that we can be used by him, so that we can bring the gospel to people, so we can bring the good news. But the enemy likes to come along and say, no, 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 that's for everyone else, but that's not you. He can't use you. What you've done in particular, that's, that, that, that's the worst. But there is actually nothing that you can do that can take you out of the plans of God. Our God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, and it's not like God was in heaven when this happened, and he's like to Gabriel, hey, Gabriel, check out, this is Moses. I've got big plans for Moses. You know, he's a really good guy, and he's just going for a walk. Oh, what's he doing? Oh, no. That's it. He's done. We're just going to have to use his brother now. Wonderful, Aaron. Like, Moses, he's done. It's not like he was like that. You know, God used that situation to prepare Moses for the next. God uses sinners. He uses you and I. He uses people who, who aren't right so that his name can be glorified above all things. Isn't that great? You are not done. You can make that great comeback. So Moses goes into the wilderness. He runs away from the situation. He gets married. He has kids. And he goes and works in a dead-end job. This is where the story really starts to heat up. That's where he comes across the burning bush. See what I did there? Heats up, fire, burning bush. Thank you. Thank you. Took you a little while to get there, by the way, can I just say? Uh, Josh and I went for a drive this morning. You know how there's a cemetery down there? And we're driving past there, and I said, Josh was, you know, explaining, oh, this is, you know, the church and everything. And I'm like, oh, so is that the dead center of Port Lincoln? And he was, he was just like, oh, I don't know if it's the actual dead sinner. I'm not really sure. And I was just like, oh. So that's fine. 
It's fine. It's fine. Do you know what? We'll just, we'll just keep going. I had to explain it to him. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, good on you, Josh. You're a champion. <laughs> That's terrible. So this is where the story heats up, you know, and the Bible says that when, when, when Moses comes across the burning bush, he was in the west side of the wilderness, which means he was in the middle of nowhere. He was just working the nine to five, keeping sheep for his father-in-law, enjoying the scenery for 40 years. 40 years. Have you ever felt like that before, that you're just doing the monotony? Working the nine to five and going, God, is this really what you want for me? Is this really what you have for me, just to keep sheep? Do you just want me to be a mum, to stay home every day and look after these kids? Do you just want me to go and just you know, pull cable for the rest of my life? Is this what you have for me? But do you know what? The cool thing is, right, is that God has you exactly where he wants you. He is exactly where he wants you. And that's my second point for you today. God has you exactly right where he wants you. You see, because where Moses was, he was in the middle of nowhere. He was in the middle of the wilderness, right? But it was all part of God's training for what was to come. He kept sheep. Who knows that? Any farmers here who keep sheep? Wow, there are actually people who keep sheep here. They're not the most obedient creatures ever, are they? They like to wander off in their own direction. They're kind of a little bit like humans in a way, aren't they? So Moses was there keeping sheep in the middle of nowhere. He had to keep them all in line, look after them all in the wilderness. Now, when, when God saved all of those people, right, and took them out of Egypt, where did they go? They went to the wilderness. Moses would have known that area like the back of his hand. God had him there for a reason. God has you going through the things you're going through. He's allowed those things to happen as hard as they may be for a reason so that he might be able to use you in the future. How cool is that? Doesn't it change the tough times? Doesn't it change how we might be able to see the tough times? Because when the going gets tough, we know that God, exactly right, the tough get going, but we know that God can use this for the what's happening next. Can I encourage you to maybe you let, take that in and let that change your prayer life? Because when you have that perspective in your life that God is using all things for his glory, it changes how you view suffering. All of a sudden, it's, it's not just, oh, I'm just going through this hard time, but it's, it's, no, this is for a purpose. So rather than going, God, get me out. As soon as I can, get me out. Get me out of here. Go, no, 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 God, fulfill what you need to feel in this time so that I can be fruitful in the next. What a great God we have. There is purpose to all things. God wants to use you right where you are. That's so cool. So how can we relate to Moses right now? He's working for his father-in-law. He feels like his life is over. He's falling into routine. Those dreams, those plans, those desires, those expectations that he might have, they're slowly, they're steadily, he'd be forgetting about them. I mean, why, why wouldn't you dream about it when, you, when you're in that situation? But something happens. 
there's something happens that changes everything. He encounters God. In every situation that you're in, you can encounter God at any point. We serve an active God, not just a God who you know, created the heavens and the earth and, and then was just like, see ya, have fun. Oh, don't do that, don't do this, but I'm out of here. You, know, like, you can solve it. I'll come back soon and whoever's following me at the end, you know, we'll just see what happens. But we serve a God who is active and in every situation. We serve a God who loves you and cares for you immensely who wants to walk the day-to-day with you. You know, church, if you want to get the most out of God, if you want to get that abundant life, get God. It's got to be with Christ. Otherwise, it's an absolute waste of time. You know, I'm so passionate about this. I I grew up in church. I've grown up uh, my whole life around it. I remember as a a young child, uh, my parents were kind of in and out of church at the time, and I remember um, I was laying in bed one night and I, I heard God say to me, Luke, I want to use you for my purposes. You know, I want to call you to pastoring. And I remember that morning uh, going into my parents going, ah, God wants to use me. God told me last night that they, you know, he wants to use me. And, and I remember my mum at the time was at the sink and was just kind of like, oh, okay. And she's later told me she, that night she went to my, my dad and said, oh, we probably should go to church then. <laughs> If God wants to use him, we should probably get him there. But, um, and I remember I grew up in youth group, and I remember I had this, you know, I just, God, I want you to use me, use me, use me. And then life happens. You know, like, uh, you just get caught up to the, in the day-to-day. You get caught up in, in everything else that's going on around you, and you just kind of, you just live, don't you? And, uh, and I, re- I remember, you know, one day at a youth camp, that's why youth camps are so important. Youth groups are so important. I remember, you know, God just grabbed my attention that day. And I remember that since that day, I, you know, my life has been switched on from him. And I just got an encounter from God. He just grabbed my attention that day. It was so cool. But growing up in and around youth group, I remember I had loads of friends who grew up in Christian schools with me. And, and, and so many of them did the, did the perfect Christian life. You know what I mean? They went to church on a Sunday. They, um, they went to youth group on a Friday night. They did all the right things. But as soon as youth finished, as soon as they're old enough to get out of there, they never stuck around. You know, they went to uni. They went and did their own things. And, and you know what, church? Let's put a fire in my belly that as a church, we must be doing something wrong. You know, like to miss this generation. And I firmly believe that it comes down to encouraging people, young and old, to have their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's not enough to come to Sunday and worship. And can I just say, worship was incredible this morning. Well done, team. That was so good. It was so good to worship with you all. But that's only 2% of your week. That's not, that's not a relationship. You know, I've got a beautiful wife. And my relationship with her is only going to be as good as the time that I spend with her. You know, I find that if I'm working heaps and all around the place, you know, we'll have silly fights over the most pointless things. You know? (laughs) 
I, I feel like that's an amen in the place. But, you know, it, it's, it's true. The more time you spend with each other, the more, the more that you actually get to know each other, yet you have the grace for each other. And that's the same with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not all well and good just to say, hey, God, I, I follow after you, and then never follow after him. Can I urge you, if you only take one thing from what I say today, take this. Build that relationship with God daily. You know, there's a reason why he says it's your daily bread. Because we've got, to, we've got to take that in every day. Cool? That bit was for free. So, you know. Yeah, but I'll charge you for the rest of this stuff. <laughs> but so he encounters God. I find it so interesting that in, in, in Scripture in this moment, Moses just casually decides that he's going to go check out this burning bush. And it's just like, oh, what's that? Oh, I might just go check it out. And he goes and sees it, and boom, his life is changed forever. God works in the most subtlest of ways. He grabs your attention. How does that relate to you? What's grabbing your attention? You know, we always, we cry out, God, use me, use me, use me. And we always, you know, we have this expectation that God is one day going to be just like, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. Point by point. You know, like we, we expect God to be like, this is exactly what I want you to do. But the truth is that God has made you unique, uniquely. Like turn to the person next to you. You're different to them. I don't know if you've realized that, right? You're, <laughs> you're, and thank God for that. Could you imagine if there was a room full of me this morning? That'd be one hairy place. But the thing is, right? We, we all have unique, we've all been made uniquely. You know, in, in Psalm 139, it says, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. You know, firstly, you're, you're not an accident. But secondly, you've been designed for a purpose. What's grabbing your attention? What are the things that you see? Because I guarantee it, if you see it, it doesn't mean that someone else sees it. What are the things that God is trying to grab your attention because it's in those little subtle things that then God uses you. It might just be noticing that the person next door has no one visiting them. It might just be that you notice that you're, in your school there's you know, um, kids getting bullied hardcore. Or it might just be that um, there's a family down the street and they, they, their kids don't have shoes. Or it, it's just in the subtle thing that God uses you. And then he opens it up to so much more. You know, we're not all called to be Billy Grahams. We're not all called to be pastors on a stage. You know, I think the biggest fault in the, that we've made in the church has made this, this, this stage the meaning of ministry. But the thing is, right, you will do way more ministry than what I ever could do. Because you're in your community. And when we're in unity, we can affect the community. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Don't get caught, so caught up in looking at saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But open your eyes and look out into the world and say, God, what you, what's grabbing my attention? Come on, church. We've got to be in the community. We've got to be doing things. If we want to see Port Lincoln saved, do you want to see Port Lincoln change? Do you want to see the, the focus of this city, this city change? Well, we've got to get out of these walls and we've got to do something about it. And I promise you, there are hundreds and thousands of burning bushes going on out there that we need to do something about. Talk to your pastors about what's on your heart and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to give you some direction, 
maybe even equip you to do it. Act on that, and I promise you, when you act on it, God will speak. Because God wasn't calling out to him from the bush beforehand. He wasn't just like, Moses, Moses, hey, 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 come over here. It was when Moses acted on it that God spoke. That's so cool. If the band want to come up and join me, that would be wonderful. So cool. You know, as we're kind of coming to a close, I really just want to point out one last thing from the story of Moses. See, we know in hindsight, because we've read it, what happens. We see all this incredible stuff that happens in in Moses' life. We see that, you know, that God speaks and we see then that people get set free. We hear about the plagues. We hear about, you know, all this incredible stuff. But Moses at that time, he had no idea of any of this. All he had to do was be obedient to that. But you know what I love about Moses is, right? Is that God had to kind of pull him into it, kicking and screaming. You know, God turns up in a burning bush and he says, hey, you're in holy ground. I want you to stand before me, you know, bow, sorry, bow down before me. And he tells him, Moses, I have big plans for your life. I want, you know, I need you to go back and I need you to set these people free. This is what I have for you. You have all this. And he sets before him this plan of what I have for you. But what does Moses do? In Moses 3.11, I mean, sorry, Moses, in Exodus 3.11, it says this real simple phrase. It says, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of God out of Egypt? He makes excuses. I love that he makes excuses because it shows that he's so human. I think sometimes we get so, like we read the Bible and we say, oh, that's a really good story. But the Bible is full of humans being used by God. You know, this week in my devotions, I was reading James 5.17. And uh, in it, it was talking about the prayer of faith. And there's this line in there that captured me so hard. It uh, it just blew my mind. It said, Elijah was a man just like us. I want you to just think about that for a second. He wasn't some holy being. He wasn't some man that floated around the room as soon as he walked in somewhere. He was a man or a woman just like you and I. Did was he saw a big, big God. Because the next thing that happens in this verse, in verse 12, it says, and God speaks and he says, But I will be with you. You know, the third thing is, is that God will be with you. Not only that he'll be with you, but he is an all powerful God. The same God that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The same God that with one word light appeared. The same God that with more words He created this very earth that we stand on right now. He is with you. The way that you see God affects the way that you do life. How big is your God? Because we can see how big, we can say as much as we like. And he's big and he's mighty and he's strong and he can do the impossible. But I tell you what, one of my great heroes in life is this guy named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. 
Anyone ever heard of him before? But one of his favourite sayings, one of his favourite things that he said was, actions must follow what you believe. Otherwise, you can never claim to say it. So we can say how big our God is and we can say how strong our God is and we can say all these things. But until we put actions behind it, it means nothing. God is with you, church. Do you believe that this morning? We don't have to sweat. There is now no room for excuses because we know that God is with you. Scripture is full of these promises that God makes that I am with you. I really have been challenged in this recently, church, and I hope that you can grab hold of that, that we can be a church full of people who are doers, not sayers, who are people so passionate about getting God that our community just want it. Because the more that you get God, the more that our community gets affected by it. So God, so guys, I said, so God, so guys, guys and girls, all of you here, you can all listen. In your life, expect that God uses sinners, aka you and I. Expect that God is with you always. And expect that God uses you right exactly where you are at. You know, when Jesus was about to leave, He made that promise to His disciples. He said, go into the world. I want you to do all of this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. But He said, but behold, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Take courage, church. God is with us. He's right where He wants you right now. So where are the burning bushes in your life? What are the things in your life that are grabbing your attention? This is your opportunity to do something about it. It's awesome. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads? You know, today I want to give you an opportunity to respond to two things. You know, sometimes we get caught up in life, just as I was saying earlier, that we get caught up in the busyness of things. And, and the cool thing is that today, God has sent me to be a burning bush in your life, to say, this is your opportunity to respond. This is your opportunity to do something about it. So with no one else looking around, I first and foremost want to give you the opportunity to say, God, I want to be used by you. God, in wherever I might be at, in my workplace, in my community, I'm ready and I'm willing to go and do. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, getting you to put your hands up so then Pastor Rob's standing at the back and writing all your names down, you know, or anything like this. Like, oh, great, we'll get them to do this. But it's, it's, it's between you and God. It's your heart connecting with God's heart, saying, God, I want to be used by you. With looking around and you saying, God, put burning bushes in my life. Will you just, just throw your hand up and then throw it back down again? And that's so cool. All across this room, that's so cool. Awesome. God, you see their hearts. And secondly, if you heard what I was talking about earlier about that, with Christ, you have the most abundant life. That in a, when you're in a relationship with Him, that's where you get the most out of Him. And you want to be able to have an, an impact on the world around you. You know, to do that, it requires you to have a relationship with Jesus, a real, tangible relationship.
relationship with Jesus. And if you're in this room and you're not actually really sure whether you might have a relationship with God, you're not really sure whether you, you, whether you know Him and He knows you. If that's you and no one else is looking around, it's just between you and God, will you just stick up your hand? God sees your heart and He'll respond. Is there anyone? That's awesome. Put your hand down. That's so cool. God, I just want to thank you so much for your glorious love. Lord, I want to thank you so much that today you sent me here to talk to this incredible church about expecting you to use them, Father. And I just pray that you will use us in our community, Father. I pray, God, and I thank you so much for everyone who's responded saying, God, I want you to use me. And Lord God, I pray that we will be people who do, Lord God, that we won't be people who just say, Father. And so I pray that you will just bring burning bushes in our lives, Lord God. Point it out to us, Lord God, so we have no excuse but to follow after you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. And I just pray for that young man who responded. And I pray that you'll just be so real to him, Father. That, Lord God, you will switch a light on in his life, Lord God. That you will give him a direction and a purpose, Lord God, like never before, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God who is so merciful and saves. We love you, Lord God, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Thank you, church.